Yo, what's going on? Howie Spangler here. It's Tales from the Green Room, episode number 129. Uh, I'm so sorry for um, neglecting my babies. It's been a minute. Um, it's been really busy. Nothing to really complain about. I've got a lot going on in the, in the personal life. Uh, I'll, exp- I'll, I'll go into it more once once things develop a little bit more. But yeah, some, some big things happening. Um, so that kind of keeps me away a little bit. Uh, don't worry, I'm okay. Everybody's okay. Um, but check this out. Bally, who's doing a, a drive-in show, Starlight Drive-In, uh, this Sunday, actually, September 27th. It's going to be uh, Ballyhoo, Bumpin' Uglies, and Joint Operation. Should be a pretty slamming time. Uh, come hang out. It's in Butler, PA. Tickets are on sale right now at the BallyhooRocks.com website. Um, and, you know, get out some of that, some of that energy, man, that's been pent up. You know, we've been pent up too long. You know, it's time. It's time to get out. And uh, it's going to feel great. We're, we're going to be stoked to just play out in front of people again. Because we need you. We need you so bad. Um, and uh, it's it's late. I'm recording this at like almost 11 p.m. And uh, I'm just, it's been a long day. And I'm just delirious now. So, um, what else is going on? I I, I got a new, uh, new clothing line out uh dream and grind um howiespangler.com or shop.howiespangler.com uh check it out man i think i think you guys will dig it um i hand drew the logo and it's uh it basically represents um the 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 big dreamer um the person the go-getter you know the one that stays up after hours and works on their craft um and just goes for it no matter what in spite of everything because this world wasn't made for artists, it wasn't made for the creative. We're supposed to be uh, workers, you know. We're supposed to be worker bees. That's that's how we're, that's how we're raised. And uh, if you're anything like me, you ain't having that shit. So uh, th- this line is for you. If you're wearing this shirt, somebody's gonna go, "Ah, oh, that's a fucking go-getter right there." That shit gets shit done, right? So that's what it's for. Shop.howiespangler.com. Grab that new gear. Uh, I would appreciate it. It all, it all uh, <clears throat> supports um, my endeavors as a creative. And, uh, you know, just as listening to this podcast, every time you listen or subscribe or, or share it with a friend, it just helps, um, help every, helps everything I'm doing, you know. So thank you guys so much for all the support. Uh, today, I got Adam Ivey on the show. Um, dude, is, uh, dude is a talent. Um, very knowledgeable about marketing your band, uh, your, your brand. Uh, knows a lot about Instagram and how, how the algorithm works and Spotify. And, and uh, he just hit 200K on YouTube subs. Um, shout out to that. that. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, you know, follow, follow this guy, Adam Ivy, everywhere. Uh, he had a lot of great things to say, so get out your notepad. Uh, this isn't just for the, for the musicians. This is for anybody that's, that's trying to be an entrepreneur and, and, and just, just do their own thing. This is for you. So uh, enjoy. Please uh, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, please rate the episode at Apple Podcasts. Um, and it just helps the uh, helps with discovery. So um, anyway, uh, here it is. Adam Ivy. This is Tales from the Green Room, episode number 129. Uh, yo, right now, uh, I got to give it up to my, my friend, uh, Adam Ivy. 
Um, this guy's uh, doing some great work for, for all us artists out there, man, explaining shit for us, breaking it down, uh, marketing, Instagram, Spotify, everything, man, you name it. Uh, yeah, bro. What's going on, Adam? How you doing? Well, first and foremost, I appreciate you uh, including me on your show and congrats on being well over 100 on your episodes. Now that's a feat in itself. Um, just been living life, man. Kind of uh, kind of staying strong through the pandemic as far as business and mental health goes, but, um, you know, pushing forward and trying to keep my eye on the on the the reason that I do this type of stuff, as I'm sure you do the same. Yeah, man, it's been been a wild year. That's for sure. We uh, without question. <laughs> yeah, we played our last show um, March first uh, out in Des Moines, wow. and uh, yeah, we were supposed to have like just a killer year after that. Like everything was like lining up so perfect, you know. And um, got home and and things just started falling apart like one show at a time. And it's like once you once like four or five shows are gone, it's just kind of like oh well, there goes my job, you know. Yeah. It was <laughs> like everything. So it's incredible. Yeah, man. I, you know, I kind of a 180 to that. Um, I'm a very introverted person, believe it or not, even though I'm on YouTube and Instagram all the time, I uh, get to do these videos just in a empty room half the time. So, um, you know, building the brand over the years to kind of be predicated on people being bored and on their phones and their uh, computers, um, luckily has kind of kept everything afloat on that side. But I deal with people every single day who just like you had this entire smorgasbord of opportunity uh, to really kill it in 2020. And so, you know, I think at this point we've all cinched up our belt a little bit and got, you know, prepared for 2021 and uh, things starting to open up slowly, but surely. And so any glimpse of live performances or, uh, you know, opportunity moving forward within reason, obviously we still want everybody to be safe is, is very, very much a welcomed with open arms. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, we, we try to do, we kind of like when everything started going away, it was like, okay, it's clear. We have to take everything online. Like we have mm -hmm. to just, we're, you know, let's figure out how we're going to do a live stream. Let's figure out how we're going to get people to the merch, uh, the merch store, because we hadn't spent like, we, we were talking about like kind of beefing up the merch store online. Um, <clears throat> but we, most of our stuff happens at the shows, you know, in person and for we sure. weren't really doing much with the, with the store. And then, uh, once we, once we got a couple live streams in, we started thinking like, okay, like, because you know, everybody wanted to donate, which was amazing. We're big, thankful to the fans for that. Um, but the no donation started to go down and it just sort of normalized. And we yeah. were like, okay, we got to think of something else because ultimately it's like, we got to keep the business alive. We got to keep things going. We can't play shows. What can we do? And the next best thing was to, you know, sell merch or, or come up with some really interesting, it, it forced us to innovate, you know? It forced us to really like um, figure out how the hell we were going to survive, and and so we were like, let's let's come up with like limited edition merch that we can just run just for the length of the live stream or like twenty four hours or something, and um, you know, and the fans, I mean, we I feel like we delivered, and the fans delivered right back, man. They 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 just they bought all the shit, and they've been keeping us alive the whole time, dude. It's 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 crazy. No, congrats on that. That's that's like you said, you have to innovate. 
you know, Tony Robbins says, I think, I think he created the, the quote, but he said something along the lines of you always have to be ready for winter because no matter how good things are going in your relationship, financially with opportunity, uh, there's going to be a slow period or things are going to kind of crumble. So, uh, how you can shift when that happens um, and how quickly you can kind of innovate and get things moving in a different direction uh, really kind of separates those who survive and those that kind of go back to the drawing board, waiting for things to go back to the way they were. And sometimes they don't. So uh, congrats on, I mean, that was, that's a smart idea with the limited edition merch and, and pushing that. And obviously you have a, a solid group of individuals that want to keep you guys moving forward. So you, you can't complain there. Dude, the Bally Hooligans are like, they're, they're the lifeblood, man. It's like, yeah. you know, I think about there, there's certain artists that aren't doing anything. And mm-hmm. um, there's certain artists that are like, you know, big enough and, you know, they, they're probably, they're going to be fine when everything comes back. Um, but I feel like everybody should sort of be like, did, I feel like the fans need this more than ever. Like we need mm-hmm. music more than ever right now. And if we can't do it, at the shows, it takes a little extra effort, you know, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just too much effort to, to set up a whole live stream and, and, um, and do the thing. But to me, it's like the fans deserve it. Like the fans are the ones that, you know, even before the pandemic, they're the ones keeping us alive. Essentially. You can't, doesn't matter how great your music is. If nobody's listening to it, if you don't have people to come to your shows and stream it, you know, if you're doing it for yourself, that's fine. But if you're trying to make a career, you need fans. Right. And these people yeah. are, are, you know, they're the reason. So we try to, we try to overdo it um, for when it comes to delivery, when it comes to, you know, special things. And I don't know, we, we just always been that way. And I feel like uh, some artists are missing out on that. And I think fans will, will remember it. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. You need to over deliver. And especially in times like this, you have to delight those who have hung around and shown loyalty to you because uh, people are looking for positive vibes right now. They're looking for appreciation. They're looking for any type of engagement or communication, really. I mean, we sit around and stare at screens all day till we're, you know, suffering from headaches and depression on some sort of level or some mental health instabilities, I guess to put it kind of lightly, uh, and having real human interaction with somebody that you've looked up to and you appreciate their art. Um, Nobody wants to meet negativity with more negativity so for what you're doing with your fan base and keeping it alive and and providing that experience to them a lot of people aren't a lot of people are moping around with their uh you know sitting on their hands and unfortunately you know those are the people that those fans are going to remember that they weren't doing anything or that they were rude or that they you know were were kind of overlooking the fan base that they already had and what they could do with it online so you know what you're doing i mean obviously you guys know what you're doing so i mean that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I see, um, I feel like there's a lot of artists that, that aren't being proactive and aren't, um, you know, take, like taking advantage of the, the moment, like, and, and trying to innovate and, and do something special. And, um, and then there's people like, uh, I've seen people get really upset about the Spotify thing, you know, with the, what Daniel X said a few weeks yeah. back. Um, and to me, to me that, you know, I've always kind of had this idea that, you know, I remember back in the day when, when Spotify started really getting out there and, um, I was like, what's this? Okay. And I, I got it. Look, it's, it's amazing for the consumer. You know, yeah. it's like 10 bucks. I get every song, right? Yeah. yeah. But really it's amazing for the artist too. Yeah. The pay is not as great, but 
Yeah. The, we used to have to, you know, we used to have to spend thousands of dollars, make one of these things. And if I wanted you to hear the song, I had to like, yo, what's your address? <laughs> yeah. And then a week later, you know, I have to go to the post office and, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. within seconds, I can send you a link and you're listening to the song. And it's like, what a time to be alive. I feel yeah. like why fight that? I, I get it, you know, but, you know, I think that, you know, with, with the conversation of the streaming platforms, whether it be Spotify, whether it be title, because everybody always brings them up into the mix of like, though they pay way more. Why aren't we, you know, uh, spending more time on title? Like there's people out there that are still on MySpace, but nobody's on MySpace. I mean, you can choose whatever platform that you want to be on, uh, but nationally syndicated TV shows on a major network are going to get more views or going to get more exposure and boost you up a whole lot faster than your local PBS station, even though that's available to you as well. So um, with Spotify, yeah, the pay's not good at all, but I made the argument in a recent video on YouTube. It's like, what does the pay need to be for you to be happy? One, $1 per stream, $10 per stream. I mean, there's a business model running Spotify with, you know, 4,000 employees as well. So uh, I'm not saying at all that the um, amounts that are being paid are necessarily fair. However, you know, I'm no, I'm not, I'm no lawyer. I'm no financial analyst. uh, So I don't know if I'm the best person to be analyzing what would be fair, but it's a great way to be able to get your music out there. And for that, I mean, uh, we have so many resources and tools at our fingertips now to build a brand, to build a name, to kind of slowly but surely become a household name. And, you know, in the 90s, 80s, uh, beyond, that was not a possibility. Like you said, you'd have to go one by one trying to sell, you know, albums online or, or at the at the gas station selling mixtapes, you know, $5, $5. Hey, man, you need to listen to this. And it's, um, you know, now it's like you said, you send a link out there and boom they can connect and that can turn into a lifelong fan. You just never know. So you need to use it as a resource and use it as a platform rather than it's not a bank account. Spotify. I mean, obviously if you go viral and you have a crazy amount of legitimate streams, you can make a really good income. Um, but you can do that on YouTube too, from the ad revenue. I mean, when it comes to all these platforms, uh, you know, you can get a half a million views on YouTube every single month and you get a check for like $800, depending on what kind of content you make. So, what governing body says if that's fair or not. We, you know, we, we have to look at it in a different way, I think. <clears throat> yeah. I just think it's a different time and, and it's a different uh, way to, to, to distribute. And, um, and I, I, I don't know. I've always looked at music as the, even, even the CD back in the day, like I looked at the CD as, as just the promotional tool to get people to the shows to yeah. get people to buy a ticket and, you know, buy a t-shirt. And then next time they bring their friend and they buy a shirt. That's how you grow. And <clears throat> so it's, nothing's really changed with, with, uh, with, you know, the, the streaming model. It's just, mm-hmm. that music is just, it's just, now it's just easier to use a, yeah. a promo tool. Um, you know, and that's what it is. Get people to the shows, build, build lifers, you know, and, you know, Daniel X, he was correct in saying just, you should release more frequently. You should release more stuff. Like true. Every song you put out there, think of it as an asset. It's like every Mm -hmm. song is an asset. You do the work one time and it works for you the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, passively while you sleep. 
Exactly. You need to be able to build a catalog because if somebody's really into what they hear, they want more of it. And so working on an album and releasing every three or four years doesn't work in the fast paced society that we live in now. And like you said, I remember, I mean, I've only been doing music for 15 years or so now, but I remember when people were putting out CDs and they would complain how much it cost to press versus what they actually ended up with after they sold it uh, or that nobody would buy the actual physical copies and they'd end up giving it away. So how much are you investing there with really no return or very little return it's it's very similar now but it's obviously much more saturated because the ease of entry uh is is set so low now to where we can record something on our phone technically we can make a beat or record something in you know a very uh basic four track type app uh and get it up on spotify by the end of the month if we really wanted to and uh you know not saying it would go anywhere but who knows yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, the the fact that that you can't do it doesn't mean you should. I tell yeah. I tell artists all the time. You know, um, it's like, it's like, yeah, you've got a production studio in your pocket. Sure, you can record a song if you want, and it might it might be wonderful. And you know what? And you could put it up and get it up Friday, and everything would be great. Look, Post Malone, dude, explodes like overnight, virtually, right? SoundCloud, mm-hmm. like it happens, but it's just you know you can't bank on that. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, hundred percent. Another, another testament of like you know how just the 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 world we're living in right now. You know, mm-hmm. just the the incredible time. Um, I think I think one reason that so many people are complaining too, uh, and this is just one little small element. I'm not trying to start a war with people online, but we live in a very secluded pocket of time right now, and so many people are introverted. So many people don't have any experience doing shows. They want to be successful the way they want to be successful without ever experiencing discomfort, without ever experiencing rejection, without ever experiencing being up on stage with five people in front of them, because that's embarrassing. That's hard. That's not fun. And so those are the people that are usually barking the loudest uh, because they want to be able to make $10 a stream for the five family members that are streaming their stuff every day with their first ever single released, uh, you know, from their home studio. <laughs> so I think that the work ethic, uh, Daniel, I kind of spoke on that in a roundabout way. I think the work ethic needs to be there and also the patience needs to be there and you have to earn your keep. I know that people blow up every day. There's a ton of 16, 17, 19 year olds that are just overnight successes, you know, from what we see on this side of the screen. Um, but people think that putting a couple songs out on TikTok and next thing you know, you're going to be Adele doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I came from a time where, you know, we started our band in the nineties. Um, my band's 25 years old this year. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I was a kid, man. And, and uh, so yeah, it's interesting to see all the different um, uh, versions of the, the music industry. Um, you know, we came from, got to get signed to a major label. You got to yeah. put out a record. Um, you got to go on SNL, the VMAs, you got to be on the radio. And it's just not like that anymore. You know, nope. it's completely just, as you said, like just such a, it's very saturated. And just, now it's, I mean, it's flat now, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, if you, if your shit's good, you know, it's, it's hopefully going to stand out, I guess. Um, you would hope, I mean, good music you know, only goes so far as, as you know, it's like, you know, you can have a, uh, 
the few records that would rival anything you hear on the radio or the billboard charts. But if you don't have a brand, if you don't have buzz around it, if you don't, I mean, there's a lot of different variables. Unfortunately, there's a thousand other people that have music just as good as you. I mean, spend a weekend in LA at a writing camp and you're going to see that there's a people that are a whole lot more talented than you. I mean, at least it's the shock of it. Right. And so, um, social media gives us the ability to in our pocket start something and then how we see it through uh obviously is up to us but a lot of people do it for six months say that it's too hard say that it doesn't work say that they'll never make it and that everything's rigged and then they give up and that's okay because those people aren't you know kind of unfortunately they're not built for success and so uh you know having a band for 25 years i'm sure you've seen a ton of people come and go. You've played shows with people that no longer exist as a, as an entity in the music industry. Um, and I think half the, half the journey as far as being successful in any creative venture is just outlasting the rest of the people. Yeah, man. We, I've thought of that recently. It's like, man, I've seen so many like friends bands that just don't exist anymore. And, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's it. It's it's really about like if if I quit today, twenty five years later, if I quit today, it'll be too soon, you know. Oh yeah, like it's just you have to you have to just keep going and things things compound, you know. It's like you, if you're consistent and you keep like I feel like we've been delivering we've been delivering great stuff. You call it content. I mean, music is our content. We've been delivering great content consistently um for at least at least 15 of those 25 years you know um and going on tour and getting out there meeting the people and and uh always putting stuff out and just always i don't know we don't ever put anything out if, it, if we don't feel like it's good like good enough we won't release it you know like we'll just say yeah we'll record it again we'll try again later but i try to go for quality over quantity um in, in that respect, because I feel like with music, it's like, you don't want to put out a shitty song. Like, I, I know like uh, guys like Gary Vee, they're like, just, just make stuff, just keep putting yeah. stuff out, you know, just keep making videos. And it's like, I think for musicians, it's like, for, I don't want to put out a bunch of shit songs, you know, just to put yeah, something out. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, shout out to Gary Vee. I mean, he's, he's, um, the motivator that a lot of people need. He's kind of like the dad that a lot of people don't have, but, uh, My dad. you know, with, with the, uh, with the, the content that he puts out, a, he has a team of 10 plus people B his content is educational and motivational. It's not creative content such as music. Um, and when you're putting out so much content on a day-to-day basis, just to kind of oversaturate, once everybody comes to market with the same exact strategy, uh, it becomes noise. And then the quan- the quality actually stands out. So um, obviously, I, I do believe that you need enough quantity, but it's a balance of the two. Because if you put, about, put out a little, whole lot of mediocre stuff, um, it's not doing anybody any good. It's just taking up server space somewhere for Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So uh, you really have to stand out and be purposeful with what you do. And obviously, you already got that covered and, and are thinking about it in the right way. So I wish more people would think about it that way. Yeah, man, I try to. <clears throat> I, I, I think I, I like to think that I put things out, you know, for myself, for, for us, the band, it's like, this is just what we have to do. There's been occasions where, you know, we're going for a thing, but I'll, I'll do uh, one of our albums was kind of different from the stuff that had come out before that, just because, you know, the way I was feeling at the time and, you know, uh, the heavier record, uh, my, my, my dad passed away back in 2016. So I had a, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in my mind, you know, and I couldn't write like, yeah happy pop 
reggae songs, you know, it's just like not right. a thing. So, uh, so I wrote a punk record, man. Just like, and, and we're, our thing is like, we're, we're, we're very, um, we kind of straddle the line between like punk rock, reggae, ska, we're like always been in there. Sure. But a lot of the stuff, our big, our bigger songs are more of like the more chill, like reggae things, like the uh, reggae love songs and things. Um, yeah. But this one was just like, I don't know. I just, I just had to like strangle my guitar and like just sing about some dark stuff. And um, I know my management didn't like it. They were just kind of like, uh, can't really do anything with this. I'm like, well, right, I don't right. care. This is just how I feel. I don't know what you want me to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that. I like to, my, my point was that I like to think that I put out things for myself, but I also think that like, I, I want to make, I want to, I do want to make my fan, our fans happy at the same time. You know, I, I, I hope they enjoy what we're doing. If I put out something that they don't like, I mean, oh, well, I guess, you know, but, um, I don't know. It, I, I like to pay attention to them and kind of see what they want, you know, at the same time. For sure, man. I mean, they'll, they'll guide you as far as what type of music and what vibes and, you know, kind of the sound as it evolves. Cause I'm sure that, you know, you guys over the years have evolved several times, even if it's just slight nuances. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing that's great about music and you and I would definitely agree on this. It's, it's therapeutic from a creation standpoint. So sometimes you have to be selfish. Sometimes you have to say, this song is for me. This record is for me or, you know, for somebody that's, that's in my life that I'm writing about right now. I don't care if anybody likes it and that's okay because more songs will come out of you hopefully. Right. Yeah, totally, man. <clears throat> um, so I, I, I did want to ask, uh, when did you get into production? Cause you started off as a producer, like making beats right in your, in your bedroom. Yeah. I mean, I technically started off as a rapper, but that's not something we need to talk about. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I started, I started rapping in like 2005 and by 2006, I realized like, this isn't me. This is like, I'm essentially acting, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I enjoy writing. Don't get me wrong. Um, right now I'm kind of in this pocket of writing a lot of modern country pop albums, uh, or pop records right now, working with some people, uh, that I've, you know, become good friends with over the years, which is a lot of fun. I'm not the greatest producer of modern country, but I started producing hip hop and R&B back in 2006 when I realized that I didn't need to be behind the mic unless I was doing some voiceover work. Um, but I started producing in Reason 2.5 in Wisconsin, moved to Florida in 2007. Uh, fast forward to 2009, lost my job. Um at the tail end of the financial economic crisis uh, and had to figure things out. And I had already been making um, a little bit of money with my beats here and there kind of person to person. I wasn't selling them online in like a store environment or anything. I was also doing a bunch of graphic design projects for any club or promoter or DJ that would hire me to do some work. Um, shout out to my cracked version of Photoshop for a few years. Um, yeah, man. But you know, from 2009 to 2010, I had to make it work. Like I couldn't trust working for a corporate entity, especially at that point in my life. Um, and between 2009 and 2010, I made about 34 grand selling beats online and doing graphic design and doing WordPress websites for little small businesses yeah. um, like veterinarians offices. And I think one ortho, I was going to say dentist orthodontic orthodontic office. I don't know. Um, and then it kind of just started clicking. I was like, the more I focus on who I am and why people should care and providing more, I was really listening to my user base, especially of past customers of what they wanted. Anytime they'd email me, hey, do you have this? 
this guy might not buy it, but somebody's looking for that. And then I quickly realized that whatever was in the top, you know, billboard charts, if I made something that didn't copycat it, but emulated it, the same vibe, the same feel that it would sell very quickly. Um, and so between 2010 and 2011 is the first time that I ever did six figures selling beats online. Um, yes. It was like 100, 111,728. Wow. Shout out to my buddy, Zach, who called me on it. Every time I tell people 112, he's like, I saw your PayPal. That wasn't 112. I'm like, okay, okay you fucker. Um, you know, but uh, it was funny because right around that time, I also had a video go viral on YouTube, um, like a parody video, laugh, haha, weird Al type stuff, um, which unexpectedly opened a lot of doors for me in the corporate side of things because uh, I didn't realize at the time, but a lot of corporations were looking for viral video specialists, creative direct direction type people. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, this little acne faced kid with a, you know, skinny naked polo shirts on was doing Skype and Slack interviews, uh, not really interviews, more so consultations with uh, corporate entities. And then I got some corporate marketing uh, contracts that lasted about 10 years. In fact, I just stopped doing that last year, uh, kind of on a part time basis. Uh, every title from uh, marketing director, media director, marketing strategist, um, brand strategist, like they have a whole lot of titles, but they all kind of do the same thing. Um, and that really kind of opened my eyes to how the big boys were doing it. I'm talking like fortune 1000, fortune 500 companies. Um, you find yourself in a room full of 13 other people working for a government contractor, uh, trying to promote, uh, the small brushless DC motors that they put in torpedo systems to other weapons manufacturers and a lot of different usages right but um and i was still making music because i was single at the time and i could spend 20 hours doing both um yeah. but you know fast forward from selling beats to 2014 i decided to make the switch into sync licensing uh after making some connections via linkedin of all places um and started doing what i call jingle music just some little stinger type uh music bed type um you know gigs uh American Pickers, Naked and Afraid, Bad Girls Club, commercial work, little commercials for dozens and dozens of law offices. Have you been hurt in a car accident? Call it like they pay for the music. So, I mean, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it kind of happened by surprise how I started doing the YouTube content in the marketing and business realm because I was really frustrated in what I was finding on YouTube. And I just said, F it. I'm going to just start sharing these little ideas and the strategies that I'm using in the corporate world that I've been using for years with my own music and with producer friends and stuff. And so every time I would uh, start getting emails and, and DMs and stuff like that, I would say, instead of responding to this one person, one person, one person, I'm just going to do a video and share it with all of them. Here's the link. Go, go look at my answer, essentially. Uh, but I've been making music the entire time. Getting back now into working with artists directly uh, has been a lot of fun. Been writing, been putting some skeletons together and sending them out to uh, all different genres. I really am gravitating right now towards Neo Soul and some funky pops stuff and um got some new synths that i'm uh, enjoying yeah. uh you know diving into and spending copious amounts of time twisting knobs and trying to find a sound i like but uh yeah man it's been it's been kind of crazy dude that's uh <clears throat> that's impressive uh that's that's really great uh kudos to you Thanks, for uh breaking 100k being an artist that's incredible dude yeah it's weird man <laughs> i i used to i used to have this this um raggedy old pair of pajama pants that I would wear all the time. They 
they were, I don't think I watched them very often. I'm sorry if that grosses out anybody watching this, but they were some uh, light green bass fishing PJ pants that I, I stole from my brother when I was visiting one time. Uh, and I would just sit in those with a stained white t-shirt and just make beats until I couldn't stay awake anymore. Just sending out emails and video, well, not video DMS at the time. I was like voice DMS through Facebook and whatnot, but, um, figuring it out one day at a time, starting to put money behind the marketing budget. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been a wild ride. Absolutely surreal. I love that, man. So this, uh, this podcast tales from the green room is all about stories like that. You know, just like you're, you're here, you're, you're the proof, um, of, you know, just being assertive and driven and, and, you know, finding a way, you know, and it's like you, you, it's, it's like you broke a hundred K, but I mean, that's, that's incredible, man. There's not a lot of artists, independent artists that can say that right now, you know? Um, and uh, I, I try to tell people all the time, I'm like, just, just go for it. Like yeah. whatever it is, you whatever it is you want to do, man, do the thing, you know? And yeah, we got to work, you know, it's like, especially if you're, if you're older, you got a family and stuff. It's like, yeah, you got to pay the bills. You got to do things, but it's like, you know, there's a, there, there's after hours, there's thing, you know, you can take, it's, I think people like, don't, it's not even that they're like lazy or tired. Maybe they're tired from working and stuff and doing the family, but right. I feel like people just don't think that it'll, it'll ever happen for them. So yeah. they just don't even try, you know, and that's, they waste yeah. time because they're afraid to waste time. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird cycle, man. And like, <laughs> it really is. I hate that for people, man. That's so I, I try to, you know, that was part of the reason I started this pod was just like, I want you to only understand that like it can happen for you. You just have to go for it and you have to, you have to keep going. It's the, the thing is, but I know, I know people will get frustrated. Um, I've been doing this since I was 14 years old. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I've, I was lucky enough to know what I wanted to do at that young of an age. Um, and I just went for it. And even when it came time to like, came time to like, you know, so you're going to, apply to some colleges you're gonna get a job you're gonna do this i was like no i'm in a band what do you what do you what do you like no i'm good bro what do i go to college for (laughs) yeah you know and and i just knew i ended up doing like two semesters at a community college for my grandmother she really wanted me to you know but i I told her i was like i can't i got i didn't there i was like i I was like why am i paying to do this i'm just wasting money i'm wasting time this is not in my heart you know, I, I I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I did the same thing three semesters for IT management, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. Eleven grand later, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's incredible, man. I, I think, I think people have to, to have to try things, and you know, uh, if you know, if there's a possibility, like maybe I should go to college. Look, if you, if you want to go that route, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, you know, listen to you know, be honest with yourself and, and realize like, <clears throat> look, this is gonna be a hard road, but this is what I want. And I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. I'm not going to, you know, I, nothing's going to stand in my way. I seriously have lost girlfriends over this bag. So I'm just like, I'm not hundred percent, you know, it's, it's just, this is what I do. And, um, and so here I am 25 years later and I'm, I make a pretty good living. I'm not rich or anything. Um, but I support a family and, I, I can, you know, I got all this going on. I got people that tune in and listen to the music and, you know, this thing that, that, that we've built all this time, it just takes time. It, it can happen. You know, hundred percent, man. I, I mean, uh, 
not to not to get into my origin story all deep or anything, but you know, my parents got divorced when I was fifteen, almost sixteen. Uh, my mom left. Uh, I have a very good relationship with my mom now, but at the time, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And then a year later, my dad, you know, sells the house that we're living in to move in with his at the time girlfriend uh, and tells me, "Hey, you're almost seventeen. You can find a place to live, right?" Whoa. And so for three months, I was essentially homeless, jumping couch to couch, sleeping in my car a few times, and uh, eventually having to have some hard conversations with people that I had strained relationships with in order to have a place to kind of call home again, even if it was a you know stained mattress in the basement somewhere. But um, I think those chips on your shoulder, I think those memories of, of the times that are hard, those adversities that we all go through on multiple different levels, um, really help drive the why in why we do this stuff. You know, you don't have to be rich to say no to opportunities you don't want. You don't have to be rich to take care of a, a family and be happy because freedom and fulfillment, purpose, all that matters way more. Happiness matters way more than a $100,000 a year or a $50,000 a month or a fancy house or fancy watch or cars or anything like that because I chased that for years. I remember my first really good month with Beats, really good. It was like 12,000 something. I bought a Rolex and I was like, I'm the man. Like I started feeling myself a little too much. (laughs) Two, maybe three months later, I had to sell it because I had three bad months in a row. So, and I ended up losing like $1,500 if I remember correctly. So it's like, those things don't bring you happiness. You really have to chase your why and say, hey, whether it's you know the difference between $100,000 or $36,000, if that $36,000 makes you feel like a million bucks and, and gets you up in the morning with a smile on your face and you know, you're know you able to spend time and surround yourself with people that genuinely love and care about you, the $100,000 might be real lonely and miserable or you know, everybody's situation is different. But you know, we have to chase our North Star, not uh, you know, this idea of what happiness or success looks like, we have to kind of fall in love with the success of the progress of the momentum. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, absolutely. <clears throat> There's for, for me, I just knew there was nothing that was going to, that was going to change my mind. Um, I, I just, you know, and I've worked a bunch of jobs, you know, like warehouse jobs and, you know, I'm sure learned how to drive a forklift and, you know, I was like packing trucks and stuff. And yeah, man. Uh, I was a server for, been a bartender for 11 years. And wow. I finally, it, it took, you know, so we did, we, we started in 95, but we didn't actually get on tour until 2006. It took 11 years to get on tour. But wow. again, I was a kid when I started. So like, you know, by the time, like, I don't know, like, we just didn't have, we didn't know how to get started. We did, we, we just, we played some shows and I remember like calling, excuse me, calling around some, uh, some Baltimore clubs and just trying to get gigs. And this one band, uh, and I tell this, the bands ask me like how we get started. One of the things is like hook up with other bands and do swaps that they'll get you. Like, that's how we got our first club gig in Baltimore. It was, wow. uh, this band called fat kid actually. And they were really good. They're like pop punk band. And, um, they they let us open for him at, at the Auto Bar in Baltimore, and uh, that was our first bar, uh, like club gig in a city. Wow. And we were just like, "Well, this is great!" And they, then they gave us beer. Like we were like seventeen, dude. Like, <laughs> they gave us like a like a case of Coors Light. We're like, it was okay, the best my, day ever. Best day ever. My brother's just like <laughs> crushing. He's like fifteen years old, crushing. <laughs> um, but so oh, it's you know, that, that's how you get started, man. You, you, you find a way, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah I, I, 
I, I knew that like waiting tables or like working at Saks Fifth Avenue or whatever it was like, this is not what I want to do. And right. you know, fuck your 401k. Like I'm just coming <laughs> to go, you know, this is it right here. Um, <clears throat> for sure. So, uh, um, yeah. So I, I guess like pro- I must've found you last year sometime then. Cause you said you, you moved last year, right? You like bought a new place. Um, so I bought a house last year, but I've, I've been in the Orlando area, uh, since 2007 now. So close to 15 years, I suppose. Um, you know, I moved back to Wisconsin for 10 months. Uh, forgot what year, maybe 2010. It was right in the middle of me trying to do music for a, for a living. Um, my brother had a heart, uh, heart issue and I was really concerned with, um, his risk factors around a surgery he had. So I was like, you know what? Family comes first. I wanted to be around him. And then when I knew he was all better, uh, I was like, I remember why I moved away from this place. And then I came back down to Florida, but, um, yeah, man, uh, you know, chasing, chasing that, that drive, chasing that vision is, I mean, you and I are a lot alike. I, I drove forklifts and had factory jobs. In fact, the first four years out of high school, I worked at a wood window factory, uh, making 15 or $16 an hour working 70 hours a week. And everybody was telling me how lucky I was because of how much money I was making and didn't really care that I was working 12 hour days. So yeah, you didn't feel lucky. You're like, I fucking hate no. this. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I made a, I made, I worked at a place where we made, you know, like mini blinds. I made those sure. lines and all different sizes, like big ones, small ones. Oh man. Oh man. In 2007, I can tell you all about blinds. Um, yeah. You were blinded by the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Dad jokes. Bad dad jokes. Yeah. Bad dad jokes. <laughs> no, they're, all, they're all great. I mean, um, <clears throat> so, uh, so what, what part of uh, Wisconsin were you from? Uh, central Wisconsin, just South or just North of Stevens point. It's a big college town there. Um, just, I guess the outskirts of what would be Wassa. I didn't live in Wassa, but that's like the big city. It's like 110,000 people, I think, um, in the city and the surrounding area. So uh, those of you who are watching or listening, if you know where Minneapolis is, it's three hours east. If you know where Chicago is, it's four hours northwest. So kind of in between Minneapolis and Milwaukee would be probably the best representation of that. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. we did a did a couple shows in Milwaukee. We did Warp Tour out there twice, nice. and then, uh, we did a, a couple. There's a venue called uh, the, the Eagle. Uh, what is it? It's a really nice venue. Nice. It's really nice venue, but it's really but they got like this pool. Apparently, they have this like haunted pool downstairs in the basement. It's like a oh, old pool and like mac miller's been down there and he like signed his autograph and everything oh wow yeah like people go down there and sign and take pictures and i didn't i both times i played there i still haven't made it down in the pool yet but Man. Um, i heard it's pretty rad and, and it's like haunted and creepy so that's pretty cool no i don't know milwaukee like that but they do have some beautiful venues down there and obviously they're a hop skip and a jump away from chicago so that's always a positive yeah it's true true uh, <clears throat> um uh so when you did the, you started doing the YouTube thing, you said you just kind of made a video to like answer questions. I love that. It's like, cause I thought of that. I'm like, you know, yeah. like, hit me up. why don't I just make a damn video and be like, Hey, this, you know? Um, so w- what was the video about? What was your first video? Okay. So the, the, the music marketing stuff was much later on. I started on YouTube back in 2009, making beat making videos because I watched a few producers that I looked up to doing the same thing. And then my seventh video ever on YouTube was a parody that I did of uh, black and yellow by Wiz Khalifa called red and yellow about McDonald's. It's cringeworthy. I haven't watched it for probably a few years, but that seventh video went viral 
Um, and that's kind of how I, I kicked into the corporate marketing gigs. But that also screws up your entire view of how things work on YouTube because you go from a video that's getting 50 views, maybe the next one, if you're lucky, 110, uh, you know, and so forth and so on. And then all of a sudden you have a video that goes 2 million views and like, three or four weeks. And then there's the director of the video who as part of our little bartering deal, he could post it on his channel. So between my video and his video, it's like 4 million views um, and being played on nationally syndicated radio stations and getting calls to do interviews and being featured on blog posts and uh, MSNBC, ESPN, G4 TV back when that was a thing. Um, and then all of a sudden the, the videos after that, they don't go viral. So all of a sudden you're saying, what's wrong with me? So you're chasing this virality, you're chasing this traffic or this high that you experienced in this small pocket of time. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, it's hard to, you know, catch lightning twice. So um, after years of just throwing stuff up against the wall, whether it be beat making videos or cypher videos where I would include rappers and other producers, I said, you know what? I just want to kind of teach this stuff because I'm really passionate about marketing. I, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm a very inquisitive person and, and being able to create these campaigns for these large companies as well as infuse this stuff back into my own music career uh, really helped me. So I wanted to teach people how to do that. So when I would get the DMs or the emails, like I mentioned earlier, I would just make videos and then I would see things that infuriated me with false information. Oh, excuse me. And uh, then I would just make videos kind of not addressing those videos, but the topics of those. And I just got focused in. I said, you know what? Why don't we give this a shot? It's helping a lot of people in the emails and the comments that I was getting, even though on a small scale, were just so kind of heartwarming and gave me a ton of, I felt like I found what I was meant to do. I found like I had a voice. I had a good cadence to how I was teaching um, to where it felt very natural and seeing my opinions, my perspective, really helping people in their journey. Um, I didn't think of it as competition because they're doing their thing. I'm doing mine. Uh, and it, it just kind of turned into what it is today, which is uh, unexpected. I never planned on, on, you know, teaching this stuff or having a, a program or anything like that. But, you know, now I'm 35 and, and working with, you know, I have over a thousand students now, which is, is unreal. Wow. Damn, good for you, man. Thanks, man. I, I, I love that, man. It's um, you know, I consistency is certainly super important. Um, when, when I I know you make videos all the time. When I when I started my uh, <clears throat> my YouTube channel, well, I guess I, I don't know when I started my YouTube channel. Actually, it's been a while, mm -hmm. but I I decided January first, twenty nineteen, that I was gonna like start going hard on it. Yeah, and uh, so. I did a song of the day every day. And wow. so I would, I would just sit here in, in the studio and just, I'd turn my camera on and my cool little light. And I would just play one of, one of my songs and yeah. I would throw it up, throw it in black and white. And I just started this series song of the day. And I knew right, right within a week, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm seeing the numbers go up, I'm seeing the, the, yeah. sub, the subs go up, the likes, the, the comments. And so I kept going with it. And then, then it, we had to go back on tour and I got 46 days in, 46 days every single day, including like a, a few of those weeks on tour. Yeah. And it just got to be so much, man. Cause you know, being on tour, it's like, you know, you're in the next city and like, by the time we get there, it's time for load in. I got to find a quiet place. And, and when we get to the West coast, it's like, cause I was, I was posting at 7 PM every day. 
And then oh, when wow. I on the West Coast, that's 4 p.m. And it's like we're just yeah. getting, we're just rolling up, you know, to the thing. <laughs> and I'm like, there's just I just can't keep up with this, you know. So I, I put yeah. up a like a, a I'm defeated video right up. <laughs> like, wow. all, right, all right, guys, look, I can't do this every day, you know. And but so when I stopped, when I stopped, it was like immediate, like just not not a drop in subs, but a drop in like just in in you know, I guess uh um, engagement uh yeah engagement i wasn't getting as many subs and things like that and sure. I, that's what showed me I'm like oh i see yes consistency keep yeah. doing it you'll it just you'll grow so much faster and like people that want to complain about oh i don't you know i'm not getting follows it's like first off don't worry about that don't worry yeah. about follows likes views whatever um engage with who's there and just keep putting out good stuff or get better if you can but like um you you have to post more. You have to like keep going. And now with the way the algorithms work, it's like you can't really spam people. It's like no. I mean, the way I always look at it is outbound marketing. And, and I mentioned this, I think, in an old YouTube video, is if you and I go to the mall on Black Friday or any Friday for that matter, and I say, "Hey, Howie, let's do you know thirty people play tag with thirty people." If you're going to go up to person after person after person and hit them on the shoulder, tag you're it, tag you're it, tag you're it. You're going to get kicked out of the mall real fast, especially in the social climate that we live in. And the same goes for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you're spamming people, you're going to get blocked. You're going to get restricted. You're going to get shadow banned. You're going to get reported as spam, deleted, deactivated. Like there's so many negatives that are coming from that because you don't have the right to invade somebody's personal space like that with a request when there's no relationship that's built. There's no notoriety. There's no recognition uh on their end and so instead of having some type of reciprocity of where you're providing something and they're giving back and it's an actual relationship in a symbiotic you know uh, partnership there all of a sudden it's just hey listen to me give me attention hey and it's like it doesn't work like yeah. the algorithms fight that because to get more users on the platforms longer what would be the enemy of that quickly telling people to go somewhere else Right. And so if you're going on there and directing everybody, hey, every single post, go to YouTube. Hey, every single post, go to Spotify. Hey, every single post, go to my website. You're kicking people off the, the platform. And if I owned a barbershop and you were coming into my barbershop saying like, hey, I got a salon across the street. Hey, I got a salon across the street. I know you're waiting. I don't have a wait right now. I'd put a restraining order on that person. And that's what the platforms do. That's yeah. That's an incredible way to look at that. <laughs> I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, you know, I just, I just find that um, being just, yeah, being, being, because like my son, for example, like he's, uh, he's ten years old, and uh, he's actually building a YouTube channel. He's been doing it since last Christmas, and uh, he's actually like, he's got like nine hundred subs, dude. Like he just, he's crushing it. No, that's he, awesome. All he does is he he uh, does Fortnite montages and stuff, and okay. puts, puts it with uh, like some of his favorite songs. You know, he keeps yeah. getting claimed. I'm like, dude, it's not your music, so you're getting claimed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's upset yeah. about it. You know, <laughs> he needs to go get a, like a like a Epidemic Sounds account or something, and just find stuff that he kind of likes. Yeah, he loves trap. He loves he loves like um the, the Kid Leroy and like all these like yeah new, like, trap artists. Um, and so he wants to use that stuff because he sees, he sees like other guys that he looks up to, he sees them using music. He's like, how are they using it? I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe he's got a deal. I don't know, but, um, yeah. you should be using original content whenever possible, but, 100%. Um, but yeah, man, it's, and he gets on there and he, I taught, I taught him to like reply to everybody and, you know, just engage. And he's just, he's grown like 
really fast, you know? That's it, man. And honestly, if he's at 900 now, excuse me, I mean, by this time next next year, he could be at 50,000 if he's consistent because that's the way YouTube works, man. They make room for new creators. I mean, you always are going to get to a point where you see a lull, you'll see a dip, and either you evolve, innovate, and change your content, the structure, and the way that you've been doing things, or your channel dies, unfortunately, unless you're like Casey Neistat. Dude, he is the king of YouTube. Yes, and he's very friendly with the YouTube gods, so he could take a two-year break, come back. Next thing you know, he's on the trending page every day. <laughs> Dude, he's, I, I just, I don't know, man. He's, I just love, I love his video. Who doesn't love his video? It's videos? so real. It's so like authentic. You know what I mean? It's, it just makes you feel good. And it's, you know, at least his recent videos aren't too long to where you feel like you're wasting half the day watching them. Yeah. He's, they're like five minute videos. And yeah. it, I just love it, man. He's, he's so creative with his shots and like, I would love, I don't know if he's done it, but I would love to see like what his workflow is like. How do you do this? What do you, what's your editing flow? When are you uploading? Like <clears throat> he's just so, he seems to be so fast. He does all that in a day. There's like drone footage, some mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. He just put, he's got repetition, man. Repetition. Yeah. I'm sure that you could lay down, you could lay down a record real fast with as much experience as you have. No different than he can lay down a, a video pretty damn quick, especially because he's the king of done is better than perfect. You know? Yeah. He's, yeah, th- that's a great point. <clears throat> um, yeah, repetition and, and you know, uh, investing in your craft, working on your craft. Oh, 100%, yeah. I-, I was saying to you before we got on, um, I was I kind of want some people to know about this, like uh, your thoughts on it. Like um, the, I feel like my Instagram lately is just getting just shut down. Like mm-hmm. every time I make a post, it's like not, I can't even, look, I, again, I said, I don't care about likes and shit. But I think yeah. you should use it as a gauge in a way, right? You should at least see yeah. what's happening. You got to pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. So I'm, maybe I'm not making the best stuff or whatever. But a lot of my stuff lately is just like nothing. No, not even 100 likes, you know? Like yeah. what is happening, Adam? What's going on? All right. So uh, a couple things. I'll just ramble through this very quickly. So if you're watching this or listening, make sure you take some notes because this is just some off the dome type of knowledge stuff. Yeah. So Instagram recently reeled out or brought out reels, right? No pun intended. So brought out reels, which is a direct TikTok competitor. They're trying to make a dent in the market there uh, and become a serious competitor. So what they're doing is they're showing reels. They're showing suggested reels, not only on your main timeline every so often. If you scroll down, you might see a bunch of reels, but they're also taking up a ton of real estate in the Explore, aka Discover page, if you click the little uh, magnifying glass icon in your app. And what does that mean? Well, each of these reels that they're promoting takes up the equivalent of four spaces that would be four regular posts or videos. Uh, What that means is that they're taking up a significant amount of real estate from showing our regular posts to now promoting reels to make that kind of a Uh, normal feature that people are very familiar with. They're still new to so many people. In fact, some people didn't even have reels until very recently with the rollout. Um, What this is going to do is it's not only going to give us easier traffic, easier discoverability if we utilize reels early on before it gets oversaturated and everybody's doing it, but it's also going to be able to boost discoverability because the more traffic and reach that you're getting from people that are going to reels, the more reach and the engagement and everything that is triggering 
Instagram to then show your content, show your other content to the rest of the world, right? Open it up. Now, if you're using hashtag lists, uh, it's very important, in my opinion, to use hashtags on every single one of your posts. I post them as the first comment because then I can go back a few days later and then delete those just to tidy things up and kind of remove that from the radar of Instagram spam filtering. Um, Because think about it this way. If you go and you use hashtag producer, which is a very, very saturated hashtag, within five hours, because of how saturated it is, people would have to scroll down for 10 minutes in order to find any of those posts. So after three or four days, the the usage of that hashtag, if you're using hashtags that are oversaturated, is worthless. So you can go delete those. You're not going to be discovered using those. It's kind of a Krispy Kreme mentality. It needs to be hot and fresh in order for anybody to be interested. So when it comes to those hashtag lists, it's a double-edged sword because if you're using the same list, and I see this time and time again, people build a list of you know 30 or 25 or whatever. I typically use 28 just to kind of back off the maximum, which would be 30. And then I cycle through them, cycle through three or four different lists every four to six weeks, completely scrap that list and make new lists. And you can make a jumble of different combinations from past lists, but Instagram is going to scroll through and just like uh, you know some type of sci-fi movie, they're going to see the same exact pattern if you're posting too often, which symbolizes to them that that might be spammy content. Another thing Instagram doesn't really talk about, but is if you have a like a custom graphic design image, or you have a video that's over maybe like a visualizer, an audio visualizer, those don't get reached because they look like advertisements to their scanners, right? Facebook for years, they just actually recently removed this into early, uh, early September. They had a rule that if you were doing paid ads, the text on those paid ads couldn't take up any more than 20% of the image. And in fact, a lot of times it was like 10 or 15%. Um, But now Instagram's the same way. If you have a graphic designed image or something that looks like a club flyer or a promotional thing, Instagram won't show it to anybody regardless of how good your hashtags are. A prime example of this is recently a few weeks ago, I did a podcast interview with a couple of DJ friends of mine. um, And it was a great looking flyer i asked them hey can i make something up they're like no just post that and i'm like okay it's not going to go anywhere it was 60 something thousand followers uh, it barely reached 400 people even with hashtags because they again they want to sell advertising space they want to sell uh you know paid marketing they don't want you doing advertising and marketing in the old traditional way yourself so anything that they they think might be promoting something without giving them a cut of it they're going to be kind of leery about that's why i always suggest having your face in images having images of what you like to do maybe a dog your studio your significant other make it more personal and then let the context the captions really tell the rest of the story excuse me um you know when it comes to instagram's algorithm you know we can run away from the boogeyman as much as we want we have to just keep evolving and playing by the rules i remember when stories came out two three years ago everybody was dealing with the same thing oh my you know nobody's looking at my post yeah because they were promoting stories till they were blue in the face same with igtv when that rolled out so anytime a platform especially instagram comes out with a new feature a new uh you know 
I guess feature would be the best word for it. Anytime they come out with a new feature, you need to start utilizing it immediately and start becoming an early adopter because you're going to get a huge spike off of that until it kind of flatlines and it, it, you know, they, they stop pushing it as hard because they're going to get to a point where they know that it's a normal day-to-day occurrence for people to use that or consider that as an option for posting their content. Uh, another great thing is when you post to Reels, um, even though it's a 15-second limit, uh, it really does give you um, the same ability to reach an audience in two separate ways because there's a little tab that you can hit that posts it to your main account as well as your Reels account so that they're showing it as a Reel and they're showing it as a main post um, and you're still allowed to do the the hashtags on those. So I could talk to you about Instagram marketing till I'm blue in the face. Uh, obviously use geotags, obviously make sure that you're sharing every single person that engages with your stuff. As far as sharing, put those up in your story, show some appreciation, comment back on all the comments. They want to see that you're engaging with people within the platform and keeping people there longer. People get awarded for, uh, you know, time on the app. So if people are really spending a lot of time on the app, you know, you're, you're good as gold. I mean, I looked at the rocks statistics lately and he has less than a 1% engagement rate on, I believe 18 million, uh, followers. And, you know, it didn't make me feel so bad about my 3% over the last few weeks overall, because as long as your account is still growing, um, you're going to have ebbs and flows on every single platform for the rest of the time. I promise you that. <clears throat> wow. That was, uh, that was a wonderful explanation. <laughs> you must well, do this for a living. Yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> Dude, it's incredible, man. Uh, and that, that goes for anybody. You don't have to just be in a band or be a producer. Yeah. Now. This goes for any type of brand out there. You know, listen to what Adam's saying here because like, this is all, this all a, a, a applies to you. Um, I, you you kind of started to go down a, a little road I wanted to get into, actually. Um, sure. And you touched on it a little bit earlier. So I tell, I tell artists a lot um, when they ask or whatever, <clears throat> and especially on the show, that it's not just about the music anymore, you know, for, for my, my music artist. It's not about music anymore. It's about, you know, you. It's about, you know, the, the brand, right? And I hate to say the brand, you know, but that's essentially what it is. Um, and I think the sooner you embrace that, the more successful you're going to be, you know, and, uh, it can really open things up. And I, I, you know, I have friends that are great musicians, but they're not good at tech. They're not good at these platforms. And I've like schooled a few of my friends, like, bro, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Like, (laughs) like, come on, man. Like you, you deserve to be seen. You deserve, you know, better than this. You know, they just don't know how to do this stuff. So, um, I think, I think it's about more than the music. It's about you as a person, you as a brand, eh, you know, but so yeah. And you can decide like how personal you want to get, but um, you know, I pretty much talk, I'm like an open book, man. I'll talk about pretty much everything. And I just let people know this is me, you know, (laughs) no bullshit. Um, And I just had to have a a wealth of knowledge from years of doing this. So I'm I'm just free to give it out. So that's hard to say. I'm like, look, man, you got to learn how to to use Instagram. You got to, you got to do some YouTube videos. You got to like, you got to be engaging with the people that are leaving comments. They, they deserve to be, you know, reply back to like they took the time. You know, what what are your views on this? Uh, Acknowledgement goes 
far beyond any words that you respond to somebody. I mean, hearting a comment, respond, responding with some emojis or a couple sentences even, uh, that would be best side note is a couple sentences. But I think that the acknowledgement um, when it comes to building a brand, people don't realize like music is not your brand. Music is a product. No different than Nike is not shin guards. The shin guards are a product. So are the footballs and the sneakers and the leggings and the hoodies. The hoodie that I'm wearing right now is a product. This isn't Nike itself. So whether Nike went bankrupt today, Nike went and changed out everything that they're offering. They're still Nike, good or bad. So you and I, as creators, uh, branding shouldn't be a four-letter word because our music is going to change. Look at guys like Michael Jackson, Celine Dion. The music has evolved over decades. Look at producers like David Foster, Quincy Jones. If they just stayed in one sound, they would have been ousted out of the music industry years ago. The brand is what the vision is. The brand is what comes to the table and the products are the, are the music, right? The products can be content too that promotes back to the music, but we need to build an ecosystem. I think that building a cohesive ecosystem with like content. So I say that in the, in the sense of, let's say that you just like to write. You don't like being on camera. Well, maybe Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, those might be good platforms for you. If you like being in front of a camera, whether it be a fancy camera or your phone, you could be on YouTube, you could be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, those are also uh, options for you. You can grow on LinkedIn, you can grow on Pinterest. Nobody ever talks about Pinterest, but there's ops, uh, absolutely options for you to grow on all these different platforms that you like. So many people try to swim upstream, they're like, well, I don't like being on camera, I can't do that. Well, well don't then, but then put that focus into something that you actually do enjoy because your brand is what you're left with when nobody cares about the music anymore. When the timeless classics have now changed and that just sounds dated. When you want to take a break, maybe you want to retire from music completely and just spend time with your wife and you want to travel the country and have a blog on YouTube or a, a vlog on YouTube or Instagram. And now you have a travel channel. They're following you because you're the brand. You're the person that's hitting those emotional triggers. You're the person that is interesting them, right? So uh, we can have one song and you know, there's a million different one hit wonders. Unfortunately, you know, you can't have a whole career predicated on one single unless you win the lottery in the music industry, which does happen. So I'm not here to say it won't happen, but you have a better chance of winning the lottery, let's be honest. So building the brand allows you to evolve as a person. It allows you to kind of reinvent yourself over time and say, you know what? I'm not really interested in this particular thing and come with me. And every single person is going to say, I support you. I'm going to follow you with, you know, where you're going now. Not maybe not every single person. I, I don't live in a Disney movie, but you get what I'm saying. Um, when it comes to the branding thing, you can look at me, prime example. I've done corporate marketing. I've made beats, hip hop beats for, per, uh, for artists such as Mod Sun and GEZ and all that good stuff. I've also made jingles for subway commercials and uh, little music beds for lawyer commercials and all this type of stuff. So now I'm considered a YouTuber to some people and everybody identifies me as a different thing in their life, but I'm the same person with all the different business entities, with all the different revenue streams. So they might discover a part of me that they didn't know. They might really be into it. They might not be, but I'm still providing something to them that they're really interested in. And it's coming from me, not just a product. I mean, think about uh, the metaphor of going to a store in the mall. You're promoting, you're promoting, you're promoting, and they finally show up to the store and you only have three or four things on the shelf. You're not going to keep them real long unless you're a charismatic salesperson behind the counter who can keep them there. You are the brand. The things that are on the shelves are your singles. People 
don't really care that much about a band unless they have that emotional trigger. They don't care about an artist unless they see something that's relatable. Good music goes so far, but the brand takes you the rest of the way. <clears throat> yeah, man, dude, well said. Um, it's it's kind of like how, uh, you know, not not even music. It's like, look at uh, Will Smith and Jack Black are like YouTube stars now. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> very it's, true. Yeah, man, it's, it's uh, you know, it's I, they were smart enough or their people were smart enough to tell them, you know, to say, hey, look, you know, this is just where we're at now. Like, yeah, this is how people now. This is how people like become celebrities now. Is like, you know, social media. It's not really about the movies anymore. It's it's very no. strange. Um, you know, it's not things are. I think when you cling to 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 tradition, just kind of like eh, you kind of get left behind. You know, hundred um, percent. Yeah, man. And so it's very it's cool. I I think it's really cool as these guys doing this stuff, and I think it's neat. They're 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 they've learned to adapt and they're uh they're staying in touch with uh you know a younger audience too you know it's like you got to keep it's like i I read a i read an article recently about um like rock music how it's uh it's definitely not the most popular music anymore i mean we've known that for years i think but um uh it seems to be that there's no new fans i'm sure there are but not in droves not enough to like actually keep it going like sustain it um because they don't really those artists and stuff they don't really uh uh they don't like young people don't get into them you know yeah and you need young people because when everybody everybody else you're either the same age getting old everybody's gonna die off eventually you got to keep you know it's got to yeah. that new generation needs to get it and they're just not picking up on it and i just feel like this you know yeah yeah man i mean look at golf Look at golf 15 years ago, 20 years ago, before Tiger Woods came into the play. You know, it golf was dying. And now you got guys like Rory McIlroy and you have all these young bucks that are our age or, or younger, much younger, and it revitalized it. So, I mean, the same thing has to happen with music. There has to be a new wave. And if things don't evolve, well, it, no matter what genre, you look at go look at classic country, you know, uh, traditional country compared to this modern pop country, the bro country stuff, uh, completely different vibe from the same de- deriving from the same genre, but they're going to who's listening now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so what would you, what would you say to, uh, to an artist, you know, and this could be, anything, music, painter, photographer, video, sure. whatever, writer. What would you say to a creative, you know, um, t- that's getting started right now? Like, what would you tell them to, to get them pumped? I feel like you can do it, man. You're the guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thanks, dude. <laughs> um, I think that it always takes longer. I think it, it always takes longer than you think it's going to take. You have to be patient. And I, and I say that a lot, so I'm not trying to sound like a broken record. But one thing that we have to realize is that as a creative, I don't care if you're an influencer in the makeup space or fitness or music or you do traditional artwork with a brush and paint, your best work is not going to be done ever. Right. You're going to, you're going to continue to create. It's something that we continue to chase. We don't just make five things and then we're good to go. The person that is going to be more, most consistent over time, the person that is going to sustain will have a sustainable career. You just have to find your stride. A lot of times we're going to throw a lot of things up against the wall. We're going to have a whole lot of hit and misses, but 
There's going to be people that quit every three months because they're dabblers and dabblers are great because we can surpass them. It's all about that origin story. You know, one thing uh, I, I live by is you can't be af afraid or embarrassed of the content that you post, no matter how amateur it looks, because, you know, no documentaries are made, no, you know, autobiographies or biographies, I always get them twisted, uh, are ever written or, or created without any origin content. So we need to be able to track where we came from in order to understand where we're going. Um, that growth is so important and you should have fun along the way, but don't confuse frustration. Don't confuse not having fun with it's not working because no matter what you're doing for a living, it's going to feel like work at times. Music is not fun 100% of the time once you're doing it as a career. No different than there's a million people out there right now that have weed whackers and lawnmowers in their garage and they're not trying to build a lawn mowing company. It's completely different. Music and the music business, two separate things, no different than any creative venture, no different than any entrepreneurial journey, whether you're starting a t-shirt business, whether you want to start uh, you know, some type of coffee invention, you're going to hit roadblocks, you're going to hit obstacles. That's the only way to go through. You know, there's no alternative. Uh, you know, I, I was just talking about this with a buddy of mine earlier today, obstacles Ryan Holiday actually wrote a great book called The Obstacle is the Way because I read it twice. Shit's good. Yeah, it's a great book. So I mean, so either either you continue on or you quit. There's no alternative, you know, if this didn't happen, it happened. Right. So just gotta keep rolling with the punches, continue to evolve, continue to do better, have fun, surround yourself with people that understand your vision. They don't have to see your vision because only you and I are gonna be able to see it up in our fat heads of ours. But uh you know, don't let people try to drag you down or put you into this realistic box because them telling you it's realistic is only realistic to the confines of how they, what they see possible for their own life. Dude, absolutely. Um, well said that, you know, the next thing I w wanted to say was that I wanted to ask you about that. Like the people that are like ready to do it, they want, they know what they want to do, but they're, they're worried about what their friends are going to say, what their family's going to say that, that kind of thing. Like either, I mean, there's even times where, you know, as much as I've done where I feel like I'm ready to do something and I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll think twice because I'm like, ah, nobody wants to see this or like, I'm gonna look stupid. It's like, I think a lot of people do that. It's real, you know, it's like, what, how do you get around that? I feel like, you know, we are, we are the only ones standing in our way ultimately. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, yeah. Like how, how, you know, how might you tell it, someone to get around that? It's not getting around it. It's getting through it really, because if you look at it, it's so easy, hundred like super easy to find a justification or validation in our own doubts, because we can find so many people that'll tell us it's not possible. We'll find so many people that have failed. We'll, we'll find so many people that are so cynical, so uh, skeptical of any positive coming outcome coming out of what they're trying to do that we can convince ourselves no different than, you know, they say that, uh, you know, one bad ex uh, experience for a customer will leave, you know, lead to 11 bad reviews or something like that. But the positive outcome usually doesn't lead to bad re or lead to any reviews because people just expect things to be going well. So you can't go out and look for examples of people that are just like you that have done it, that have made a life for it and that are willing to give you a 25 minute phone call to tell you exactly how to make it happen. Because it just doesn't happen like that. Like I said, we don't live in a Disney movie. What we have to do is we have to envision the outcome so vividly 
my buddy Isaac says it the best. You can't explain to somebody what the color blue looks like. You have to show them. So if your vision, if your uh, motivation, if your drive to lead to an actual result is so strong, don't don't worry about telling them what you're going to do on every, at every step. Show them. Don't worry about massive failures. It's only a massive failure if you set this thing up and you told them, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to get a record deal in one year. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, because you're setting yourself up with an unrealistic time frame, which you don't have control of. Yeah. If you just say, hey, I'm going to move to Nashville because I really want to see what's out there and available to me. And I, I just want your support. They might not like the fact that you're going to Nashville, but there's a whole lot of less disappointments lined up that they can tell you, I told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so. You got to kind of move in silence, even though it's so hard because all we look for is is validation and love and support from people that we look up to. But people want to protect you. And so what do people do when they're when they're protecting you? They shelter you. They try to bring you inside. They try to cover you. They try to hold on tight. They try to leash you up, put you in a cage. But that doesn't doesn't lead to growth. That doesn't lead to extraordinary things. I say all the time that I'm trying to break the cycle because I grew up very poor. I grew up with way more love in the household than I did money. Uh, and, you know, I love the way I grew up because it kind of made me who I am today and it built my character and, and integrity and all other sorts of crap and put a couple chips up on my shoulder. But because of that, you know, everybody wanted to kind of keep me. Like I said earlier, I was working in a wood window factory making, I think, 40 something thousand dollars a year because of all the overtime I was working. Uh, I always felt tired, always looked tired, didn't want to do anything with any of my friends because I worked second shift. And yet people were telling me I was successful. And I said, if this is what success feels like, I don't want to be successful. I'd rather be a failure doing something that I could sleep and have fun doing. And so, you know, you have to venture out and make a new path. And if you want to break the cycle, you can't stay in the cycle. So, you know, if you want to go get it bad enough, show the people what you're capable of instead of talking about it, because results uh, lead to rewards, lead to, um, you know, some other marketing brandable type of shit that's supposed to inspire you. guys. <laughs> Sometimes I run out of it. I mean, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm not Tony Robbins. I just I'm just a regular guy that's fucking been doing it for a long time. So um, at the end of the day, you really have to just keep pushing through and, and people that won't. It's OK for somebody to tell you wants to be careful. It's okay for somebody that you really love and respect to tell you, hey, I'm not sure this is going to work. But if you tell them over and over, this is what you're going to do, and they're still doubting you, and they're getting discouraged in your friendship, in your family dynamic, because you're going out and having a brain of your own, having a mind of your own and a drive that might exceed what they're capable of, you might have to put them on pause for a while and then revisit that whole relationship later while you're working because trust me those toxic relationships and those doubters are really going to affect your own self-confidence and your limiting beliefs dude 100 fucking percent man like the 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 misery is out there and it's waiting to just it's waiting in oh, the yeah. shadows there's sometimes yeah, actually in broad daylight man. misery is in yeah. broad daylight what am i talking about like it's ready to grab you you know and there's those times where i've just felt like oh none of the, what, what am i doing none of this is worth it i'm just gonna you know i'm done whatever i'm done you know it's it's like yeah. uh, you know i come obviously i come back i love it too much you know i come back to it but yeah man there's definitely those moments and you know we're all you know i think a lot more of us are depressed than uh than is reported, you know, and, yeah. um, it, it's, it's tough enough out there. So I always try to say like, dude, you know, if you have friends or family that's doing something for themselves, that they're, they're doing something, you know, different, uh, you know, support them, you know, like yeah. let them know that like, bro, that is 
awesome. I love that you're doing this. Um, you got to keep keep going. You know, like I don't know, just be supportive, man. There's nothing worse than than that misery. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. absolutely, man. I think that uh, a lot of people start asking themselves, and I've I've had close friends of mine that have come up to me and said. Adam, like, um, this is very close paraphrasing to something that happened years ago. One of my close friends came up to me and he almost started crying. He said, I'm so fucking proud of you, but you make me feel like a piece of shit because of how driven you are. I go home and want to play PlayStation. You go home and you don't turn the TV on. You dive into the computer. You know, you go to the gym. You're waking up early, even though you don't have to. Nobody's telling you to. And so you have to really want it. You have to want what you are working towards a whole lot more than want to go back to where you came from. Yeah, dude, <clears throat> I know. I, there, there's people that even I, I like, you know, I feel like I work pretty damn hard, but like, you know, I see people, I mean, you, you're obviously, you, you put out these great videos. Your set looks amazing. I already said that online. <laughs> so yeah, man. But it's obviously, it's a result of years of work. And, and learning and experience, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, and, and here you are. Um, and I just think like, I can't reiterate, reiterate enough, like just people, if you want to just go get it and, you know, you can make something happen for yourself and, you know, yeah. It's, so, uh, let's see. Amity here says, uh, misery loves company and those who don't believe in themselves won't believe in you either. Absolutely. Shout Absolutely. out to Amity. Yeah, man. If anybody has any uh, questions here for Adam, before I let him go, please shoot, uh, you know, whatever, uh, music marketing, pr production tips, uh, life coach advice, like <laughs> uh, life coach. That's funny. <laughs> you really, I think you have a career in, in life coaching at some point, bro, man. I want to get up on stage and, and, and kind of put together some type of, uh, some type of, you know, speech or, or keynote type presentation. I feel like that's the next move in my life. I'm, you know, I used to deal with real bad social anxiety. And like I said earlier, I'm, I'm kind of an ambivert, which is a hybrid between introvert, extrovert. Um, but I don't know about life coaching, man. I, I can, I can, I can provide some uh, comedic relief. Uh, and the only reason the set looks like this is because I spend like 10 hours a day in this office. So I need it to be inspiring for me. Uh, and I spent way too many years sitting in a, in a cubicle in a, you know, office with no windows to, to be reminded of that. So I, I reinvest back into making myself just feel like I'm floating in a spaceship uh, at all times and, and really try to give my viewers the best experience because they invest in me with their time on YouTube. So I'm trying to give them some badass visuals to go along with the quality of uh, the messaging, kind of keep yeah. them interested. I might get some like random flashing lights to, you know, play, play some games for audience retention. Who knows? Yeah, dude. I mean, the the set looks great. <laughs> the studio looks great. Um, the videos look awesome, and <clears throat> definitely. Uh, well, I'll make sure to shout out all your stuff at the end of this. But go follow, subscribe this guy on uh, on YouTube. And watch his videos. Thank you, stuff. sir. Uh, let's see. Nick has a question. What would be what would be the best route for an unestablished band right now? Keep our heads down and create a lot of content, or start releasing music as we get it done and focus on creating a following. Hey, Nick. Thanks for the question. 
Um, you know, as far as an unestablished band, somebody that's just, just getting up and running, um, obviously I think content is very important with the consistency, but if you have a single, you need to kind of put it, put a launch plan together, um, and kind of just understand that the first couple, especially as you're getting established, even though you've put in the time, even though you've put in the money, uh, is it might not hit at first. We're looking for that long-term momentum in, instead of those short-term spikes, uh, short-term spikes being some of these people that are kind of lazy or they're preyed upon. It's not always laziness. Sometimes people don't know better. They'll go spend money on a Spotify promo company to get a bunch of bots from India. They're like, oh, my entire following's from Sri Lanka. I didn't know. It's like, no, those aren't real streams. Um, you know, but what you have to do is put out content and really engage. I don't care if it's five people. Go find a um, band that's very similar to your sound. Go through all of their followers. See who's commenting and interacting with their posts. Comment, ask them a question, go on theirs, like some of their stuff. Because those are people that are actively active. They're actively engaging with somebody that might be in the same realm as you. Therefore, it's low-hanging fruit. People that are already commenting, people that are already involved in a band that might sound like you. And I'm not talking about like humongous bands, right? I'm talking about maybe halfway between you and the big top or the big show. So find a band that's just up and coming, a new name, a new face in the in the, in the space. Make sure that your bio tells people why they should care, who you are, where to go, have some direct calls to action. Uh, obviously, don't have your profile on private or have a, uh, you know, some type of meme as a, as a profile photo and start building it out. Start using these little puzzle pieces, no different than putting a song together to grow an account, whether it be on YouTube or Instagram. And like I mentioned earlier, get all the different type of platforms that are symbiotic that, that go together to build an ecosystem because just Instagram alone for the most part is not going to build a career. Uh, email marketing alone doesn't really doesn't work if you're not anywhere else. Um, in order to be heard these days, it's a whole lot easier as long as you're seen. And then from there, you can really get a target audience down pat. You'll know who you're marketing to and therefore you can refine your messaging. Uh, and then when you want to start spending money, the money actually gives you a return rather than throwing things up against the wall, hoping you know, a whole lot of people are doing hope marketing right now. Just, yeah, let's promote this post because Facebook says it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, whatever Instagram shows, it says this post is performing 90% better than, no, it's not. You're just yeah. trying to get me to spend money with you. <laughs> Come on. Don't lie money? to me. Get those all so that's what I would you. say, Nick. Get the content out there. Let people know who you are, why they should care. Uh, Get a single ready, get some cover art ready, submit it to Spotify, curated playlist three to four weeks before, uh, you know, it goes live. As soon as it goes live, submit it to blogs, submit it to playlists. Um, and yeah, man, you know, support other bands, support other people. Um, and then get the audience to share the stuff, tell them to take a screenshot of everybody who's pre-saved your stuff. I mean, there's, there's like a, we could be here for another two hours as far as like a Spotify launch blueprint, but, um, that's a good start. You need to, you just need to jump in, start putting out good content. Yeah, that's great, man. Nick, thanks for the question, man. If you want more information, go sub up to his channel and go get more info like that. Oh yeah. A ton okay. of videos. Yeah. Ton Thank of videos, you. man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, no thumb says, what was the moment you thought I made it? I, I don't think I've ever, it? I've never, no, I mean, no, I don't think I'll ever feel like I made it. I mean, I've, I've made $50,000 in a month. Didn't feel like I made it. I mean, it's that, that shit's within you. It's not some placement. It's not, I mean, I guarantee if I had the number one billboard hit on the charts right now, like my buddy AO does with WAP, 
um, I'm not sure that I would feel like I made it because it's not where you are right now. It's kind of where you are when you meet your creator as crazy and hippie as that sounds. Um, I want to be around to spend time with my kids. I want to continue to develop a loving, caring, best friend type of relationship with my future wife. Uh, I want to be able to walk my dogs, run around, roll around, be goofy, be able to make the content that I want to make, be able to say no to a whole lot of people that I don't feel comfortable working with. Um, And making it is being able to have that type of freedom. Um, And so I don't feel like I made it. I just feel like I'm making a dent in my goals and my aspirations. So, uh, you know, I think people that are hungriest are, are the ones that don't feel like they made it. They just keep going. No, never, never stand in one place too long. That's great, man. It's never enough. It's never enough. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things, man. You just, it's like, cool. I did that, you know, and you're stoked about yeah. it. But it's like, on to the next, next one. What's I next? didn't open, you know, I didn't open my hundred thousand subscriber plaque for YouTube until I hit 200,000 subscribers because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't a fluke. I wanted to make sure that my work ethic didn't slow down. So I did a video when I hit 200,000 just here a few weeks ago. Um, Finally opening the plaque. I left it in the closet for a year, uh, a little over a year. So, uh, yeah, you you like trophies, accomplishments, you got to keep going because it it means something for a moment in time. And uh, unless it's really impacting a lot of people's lives and you're doing good, uh, it's not enough because money, things, they don't they don't bring fulfillment or happiness to the majority of us. Yeah. Well, congrats on 200K. That's uh, that's pretty good. Thank you. It's pretty damn good. Welcome to the life of YouTube. I'm like looking at 500,000 now. And then at 500,000, I'll be like, why don't I have a million yet? I've been on YouTube for 15 years. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, you kind of said earlier is like, uh, you know, the, the more you get, the more you're, you, you could get like the potential to get you know, like, right. Because they're sure. pushing it out more. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the algorithms work. And, and so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're probably like answering as many comments as you can at this point. Right. Like you're still, usually, usually, yeah. I mean, sometimes uh, you can't get some off. Sometimes you can't get to them all. Sometimes you're so consumed with posting. And let's say that I spend two hours responding to every comment that I get on a new YouTube video. I don't spend another two hours responding to 200 comments on Instagram. I'll go through and like them usually if I'm exhausted for the day. And I have students that are in my mentorship program that I'm responsible for getting back to and having meaningful conversations with almost every day. So at that point, I have a teammate, Danny, who goes through some of my comments and he'll like them. And uh, I try to stay very genuine with who I'm interacting with. I don't have my entire team acting as if they're me. Um, but some things for efficiency reasons, um, you do what you can with the time you have to make everybody feel like, hey, I didn't comment back, but I saw you. And then next time around, I'll say what's up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I am. I, I, try to get to, I try to get to them all. But you know, when you, when you run in like several platforms and like I run the stuff for the band and myself. So it's yeah. like, I got double of everything, yeah, you know, man. and it's just, you're trying to keep up, man. And so like, I'll miss DMS over here. I'll miss the comments over here. It's just, I feel they bad. get flooded. They get flooded, flooded, man. So like, uh, you know, I, and I thank you for uh, answering my, my DMS and my emails. So yeah, of course, man, I got, I got to it eventually you did. sometimes. Sometimes you'll catch me. I mean, I get between two and 400 DMs a day and emails and stuff like that. So it's, if I take vacation, like my fiance is kind of used to it by now, we've been together almost four years. Um, I'll just be sitting there running through it because if I take like a weekend off, I'll come back to 1100 missed DMs and emails and stuff. It's just, I'm not, it's like a good problem to have. Right. But 
yeah. at, at some point you become a little bit more calloused with people just asking really dumb questions that you've covered so many times. You're like, are you trolling me? Deleted, <laughs> deleted. Like I only respond to people that I can tell are genuine. And I mean, there's people that ask me life, life questions, or they'll give me their life story and then ask me all these detailed questions. Uh, and then I go and they're, they have two posts on Instagram. They're not following me and they're following uh, 1700 other people and they have 49 followers. So I'm like, mm. Like you probably sent this to every single person that's on YouTube doing marketing or music uh, business stuff. Like, Godspeed. Yeah. Do do you do you get like those those uh, the real DMs from people that's like the the deep stuff? Like, you know, I get a lot of like, you know, your music changed my life. I just got out of a really abusive relationship, or I was I was you know ready to end it all. Like, I get that stuff a lot more frequently these days. Yeah. And it's really heavy, man. And I feel. A responsibility to to answer back with something really profound, I guess. And I feel like, like, can I do this? Can I like, is this my, is this my place to like, it's a slippery slope, man. I mean, when I go through my DMS, there's some, there's some heavy stuff. I mean, uh, the requests are out the wazoo. I try to get back to people. Um, and I'm real with people. If people give me a life story and they're saying, I just broke up with my girlfriend, I say, look, there's nothing wrong with taking a break from music. Maybe music, if it's giving stress in your life right now, you need to take a break and have a breakup with it to kind of revisit it and fall in love with it again. You know, people ask me all the time, Adam, I don't want to go to college. My parents won't let me drop out. All I want to do is become a famous rapper and I live in Indonesia. I'm like, don't drop out of school. Trust me, like do school, you can do music as you're doing, you can do music afterwards because you might be the next brain surgeon that comes up with something that really changes the world rather than trying to be the next six, nine or, uh, you know, Drake, you know? So, um, I never try to discourage people, but I also don't send people into a bullshit tailspin, uh, you know, trying to preach, like, go after your dreams. Like some people suck. Some people are God awful. Like, become better before you jump in with both feet. Like just being real. If somebody were to tell me that when I first got started, I probably would have been a much better producer, much faster, but some people are not, I mean, I I was told this a long time ago and I don't mean to offend anybody, but some people are not born to be number ones. Number ones are the entrepreneur. Number ones are the CEO of the company, the person that founded it. A lot of people are born to be number twos, the vice president, second in charge, the senior VP of something, but they still need some guidance from the person that has the ultimate vision. Some people are born to be number fives, right? They can become a manager. They can become this or that, but it's really freaking hard to be a number one. It's really freaking hard to be successful at being a number one or a number two. And so you really have to dig deep and say, do I love music enough to make it a business and to make it work? Or am I just really in love with the process? Because a whole lot of people go bowling Right. But very few people are professional bowlers that, you know, have a what would a professional bowler drive like a Cadillac CTSV or something. That'd be like the the bomb diggity bowler guy would have like a nice Cadillac or something. But um, (laughs) all jokes aside, you know, I think that we really have to be real with the people that contact us, because a lot of people in my in my case, if I do a really good job with people on YouTube, they stop watching my content. I'm cool with it. I understand it. I've embraced it. If you're really good at teaching somebody something, they don't need you forever. They move on and you've helped them in that place in their life. But people ultimately start feeling like they know you and that's great. I feel like I know a lot of my channel family, a lot of people that watch my stuff, but 
they know more about me than I know about them because I never see their face. I don't know what their life is like. And so they'll come to me with some really deep stuff and share that with me. And I take that very seriously. However, I'm also not one to give advice to somebody that I don't really know as far as interpersonal relationships, depression, mental health stuff. That's not my place. I'm a guy who teaches music marketing and makes music on these keyboards during the day and play with my golden doodle daisy. Like I'm not a certified therapist. I'm not a doctor by any means. I'm not a family counselor. I I've dealt with depression. I've had a whole lot of friends kill themselves over the years and I've dealt with death. Uh, but I can only give a little bit of nugget of advice because if I open the gates, then I'm going to get messages like that 10 X every single day. So you, you kind of have to learn how to maneuver around that stuff, not just ignore, not just block or delete or anything like that, but maneuver because the weight of it can be really heavy and it can have a negative effect on your own productivity and your own mental health. You know, uh, I could tell you stories that would, you know, kind of shock you as far as, you know, past students messaging me with, you know, a lot of mental health things. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope, man. There's no cut and dry way to answer it. It's just, you kind of have to navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had, <laughs> there's been a couple where I would like preface it with like, I might not be qualified, but here it goes, you know, yeah. just kind of like, ugh, you know, um, but I, try doing that 300 times a day. Yeah, dude. Like, I, uh, you can't. It's, it's wild, man. You know, I just, I try to be, you know, there for people, uh, if, if it goes that way, but, um, you know, for the most part, it's usually lighthearted stuff, but every now and then, yeah. that. um, and I guess, uh, you know, just kind of wrapping it up here. I don't want to keep you too late, but, um, uh, what's, uh, what is, what is a way to, how, how would like a, a producer like, um, that is getting into making beats and stuff like that. Cause I do like the, mostly like the rock stuff, reggae, whatever. Sure, sure. Um, I make beats here and there, you know, for fun. Yeah. For somebody that really tries to get into making beats. I don't think I've really covered this before cause I don't know anything about it. What's right. a good, what's a good way for, for somebody to start making beats and maybe even start selling them. Uh, you know, are there, are there good websites for this or, or how would they do that? Yeah, actually, there's a website out there um, that's relatively new. Uh, it's great for producers. You can sign up for free called thecharts.com. Um, I know that because I own the platform. Um, you know, okay. producers could sell their beats, their kits, their songwriting services, mixing services over at thecharts.com. Absolutely free to sign up. There is a like a granddaddy top tier. Um, I call it an elite account. That's 10 bucks a month, but it's free to join and get started, get everything set up over there. But um, having a beat store, whether it's the charts, whether it's any of these other websites, whether it's just a SoundCloud embed into a Wix website, um, it's all about visibility. It's all about sharing this stuff with the world. Uh, I, again, think that kind of emulating the stuff that's on the radio is easy, low-hanging fruit to get people's interest. And then, again, go to Instagram, go to YouTube, go to SoundClick, uh, SoundCloud, and start finding customers that are willing to pay for beats. Great way to do this is go on SoundCloud or YouTube and type in produced by go to a website such as uh beat stars is a, is a big boy in the, in the space, find artists or find producers that are uh, well known on those platforms and then go to YouTube or SoundCloud and type in produced by good friend of mine, superstar. O, because artists that pay for beats are typically the same ones that are giving credit to the producers. So therefore then you find their Instagram, 
you go start conversations, you interact with some of their content. You don't jump into the DMs with spam, but that's how you start building that following of paying artists. You don't just go scour the world for anybody that uses hashtag artist in their Instagram post. You also want to stay on brand and stay on target with who the genre is is targeting, who the genre or the genres of music that you're making. Um, but yeah, figure out your pricing, figure out your terms, what you want to offer. Do you just want to offer beats? Do you want to offer drum kits, services, like I mentioned earlier? Uh, and then work on your branding. Why should people buy beats from you? Why should people care? You know, what kind of experience are you going to give people that's different than the 50,000 other people out there that are doing tight beats on YouTube? Are your visuals different? Do they, you know, stand out from the rest of the crowd? Are your captions or your instrumentals themselves something that are going to gain people's attention? Go into it that way and then start conversations. Don't jump right into sales. It's all about, I mean, imagine this. Imagine if you were to go to a car lot. And you're standing outside for an hour looking at a vehicle and the salesman sitting in the showroom with a bottle of water saying, man, it looks hot out there. I'm not going out. If they want a car, they can come to me versus the guy that brings them water bottles within the first two minutes of them sitting there. And they say, hey, I'm like, no pressure. I know it's super hot out here. My name's Tim. Let you, you know, do you need any information about this? Um, let me know if you need any more water. I'll be back inside or, you know, let me give you a test drive. If You know, like the servicing, the communication and what they're met with is going to go a long way. Even to this day, even though I don't have a public catalog, I sell a lot of beats to return customers that are on my email list that if I have some music that really isn't great for sync or it didn't get placed through an A&R or whatever, I send out an email and say, hey, first come, first serve. These are available for X amount. And usually within 72 hours, they're sold. I don't have to do any type of uh, $25 beat leases, even though there's nothing wrong with that. That's how I started making really good money with selling beats online. So you need to have a brand that people care about, consistent releases, I'd say two to three new beats a week on average would really help build up a catalog very quickly because again, you don't want to promote this big you know, thing that people are getting all excited about and taking two seconds to go click over on. And then you have like one or two beats or even five beats. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book a few years ago called Blink. It's all about the first few seconds of any interaction. You can't buy that back. So when you go out guns blazing, you need to be ready to service that person. You need to be able to be go out there and really retain a client, even if they don't buy it from you today, doesn't mean they're not going to be interested down the line. If you have different type of beats, set up things like surveys, asking what type of beats they're interested in. You could give away some stuff to start building an email list and then circle back anytime you have some uh, you know, pertinent information that they might need. If you have a survey on your email sign up saying, what kind of beats do you like? Then you can kind of start segmenting out your email marketing to send these beats to people who like neo soul send these beats to people that like trap send these beats to people that like pop music right bubblegum stuff top 40 and so then it whittles it down from warm traffic turns it into hot traffic and that's the way you could start getting conversions pretty quickly before you ever even jump into paid advertising dude you're like a well of knowledge (laughs) (laughs) i've been doing this a long time man that's that's so great no, that's awesome. I didn't realize you, uh, yeah, I didn't even, that was just a off, you know, question related to beat making. I thought some people might get some value from that. And then here you are, you like own a, a beat selling website. That's amazing. Yeah. I haven't talked about it publicly really. Cause we're, my developers are adding in some more features and whatnot into it. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, my team and I are going to start pushing it later this year into next year. And, uh, that's really a two to five year plan. I said, you know, 
a lot of producers ask me how to sell beats online. A lot of producers are asking me how to build funnels and this and that. What better way to really educate than to own the platform? Therefore, I'm not guessing the algorithm. I could teach them exactly how to do things, walk them through the entire process, allow them to set up shop for free. It's a win-win for the entire community. Dude, that's so great, man. Yeah, well, good good for you, man. I like... I'll probably end it here, Mags. You're just like, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm sure we could talk for like three fucking hours about this stuff. It seems I, like it, right? <laughs> I, I just love nerding out about this shit. Oh, um, yeah. But, but uh, seriously, man, uh, it's, it is, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Freaking masterclass here. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank it. you. Thank you. That's it. funny. No, I just, you know, so yeah, man, um, dude, uh, very inspiring to have you on the show. I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you came on. I'm glad we were able to work it out. Um, and uh, just hearing your story and uh, back from the Wisconsin days and start making yeah, beats man. and and then uh, just every to everything you're doing now with YouTube and Instagram and and then uh, now your, your beat store it's just and and then you're you're teaching people here as well at uh, a thousand students that's that's amazing yeah, uh, so good good for you and just like following follow, following your dreams and yeah uh, man yeah you did it. <laughs> um, but, but nah, man, I just, it's, it's one of those things is it's another, another case right here, just of someone that, that worked hard and is working and will continue to work hard because you love what you do. And, uh, it's, I, I appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody here appreciates it. I can't wait for th- this episode to get a little bit more, man. Um, thanks. Well, where, where can uh, everybody find you? Yeah. So Adam Ivy everywhere for the most part, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Adam Ivy, AdamIvy.com. Um, I'm actually launching uh, the next 20 days of focus challenge on Tuesday, September 29th. It's free to join. And this is something that I do with my community every once in a while, where we go through 20 days of only five tasks a day. And I'm going to release a video on Friday explaining it. Um, it changes lives, man. I've, I've had more welling uh, messages where I'm almost in tears from the 20 days of focus challenge than I ever imagined in my life. And it's just something that I do right along with everybody who participates. I don't need a credit card or anything. Just, uh, I actually don't even need to email out. Although we do for an email, we do provide a uh, challenge guide, which gives people, uh, you know, it walks them through it, right? Something to write down on. Um, yes. Yes. Had that over here, but anyway, um, yeah, Adam Ivy. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. The 20 Days of Focus Challenge, like I said, is for free. Really helps build an Instagram following quickly, uh, as well as other platforms. And just it's a, it's a real feel good thing, man. Real feel good thing to end 2020 on a high note. I think I think you're a life coach. You're just trying to fucking you're not. <laughs> I'm the next Tony Robbins, but three feet shorter. <laughs> right <on. laughs> that guy's a giant. He's like eight he, feet tall. I know. I've, I've only seen footage, but yeah, he looks like he's fucking huge, um, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks again for the information and everybody please go follow him and uh, find him at Adam Ivy just everywhere, all the platforms. I appreciate the opportunity, man. I really do. Thanks to everybody who's watched. Uh, Had a great time. Hope to be a guest down the line. Uh, Hit me up at 200. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, bro. We we got plenty more to talk about. Trust me, man. Absolutely. Um, Well, dude, uh, Adam Ivy, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Uh, Everybody, this is uh, Tales from the Green Room, episode number 129. Uh, If you're watching on on YouTube, please uh, hit that subscribe button, like that shit, and uh, ring the bell, baby, so you don't want to go live. If you're on on Facebook right now, please like it, share it around, you know, do all the things. Uh, Guys, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you real soon, man.